Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating and really the wisest advisors in the business community from around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business. And you thought you thought the elections were going to change your work and life. Well, look what's coming on December 1st, my friend. Is the government and the Department of Labor's new Fair Labor Standards Act uh, about to change your entire job profile come December 1st? Uh, are you about to take that salaried career and have it turned into a wage slave job where uh, – Hours and overtime become your concern? And are you, Ms. Employer, uh, about to totally disrupt all the relationships with your crew and begin tallying up the hours and paying a lot more? Well, my friend, it is time to listen to the calm and the very expert voice of a labor issue uh, prof, uh, expert par excellence, Amy Vasquez. She is the Director of Legal Content at the Employers Association of New Jersey. I, I love that title, Director of Legal Content. And we are going to get a, a little sanity and some understanding in this revolutionary employer-employee legislation, which uh, President Obama has entitled The Salvation of the Middle Class. So whether you are a professional consultant engineer providing vital geologic readings for the um, for America's bridge builders like Charlie, or if you're a veteran instructor for challenged children who has enriched the lives of untold thousands like Joyce. Pull up your chair a little closer. Join the Feast of Wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Amy, I'm so glad you could break free and join us today and, and sort of set us straight on this anguish-laden legislation. And uh, so I thought we'd get right into it. Amy, the, the, the Fair Labor Standards Act is descending on us like thunder. And as I say, it's been called the salvation of middle class, but opponents are calling it slow strangulation of business. Before we decide who's right, could you sort of, Give us a thumbnail of this new legislation. What is the act? What are the actual numbers and the salary increase and the overtime factors? And what what's it mean? Just in a nutshell. Sure, sure. So it, it is important to note that the FLSA, the Fair Labor Standards Act, is nothing new. Uh, this is a law that has been around quite a while. It was New Deal legislation signed by President Roosevelt, 1938. So this is this is old legislation. Um, its purpose, among other things, is to guarantee a minimum wage and to require employers to pay overtime, time and a half, when an employee works more than 40 hours in a week, unless the employee is exempt from those rules. So it's that exemption criteria that the Department of Labor is now updating. That, that's where we're seeing these changes. Um, for the past 12 years, the salary level necessary to be an exempt employee was set at $455 per week. When these new regulations take effect in early December, December 1st, that amount is going to more than double to $913 per week. So clearly this is not just a slight cost of living bump here. 
And what that yeah. means for employees, you know, what it comes down to for employers is that if you have employees who are currently classified as exempt, you know, you're not paying them overtime, you're not necessarily tracking their hours, and they're earning less than the 913 per week, come December 1st, if you take no action, those employees will lose their exemption and they will become eligible for overtime. I see. And this is this salary threshold that you're talking about. This is uh, a, a number. First of all, we should explain that nobody is forcing anybody. No one's going to get an automatic raise from 455 to, to uh, up to 900. Correct. It's, that's that's uh, a very common misperception. Right, and but it is substantial when you consider that this salary threshold, the, the number that separates the giant chasm between the hourly wage slave and uh, the salaried employee, has just gotten huge. I mean, it's wider than the the canyon of candidate believability we've got here. It it's gone from eleven for, just to to put it in a perspective. I know it's salaried employees, but we're, we've moved from eleven thirty eight per hour threshold in 2004 to $22.83 come December 1st. It's supposed to benefit 4.2 million workers, I've heard. But what about the people who are left behind this exemption? And there will be many of them. That is, people who do not meet that salary threshold. I mean, does this mean that my, my bookkeeper will be looking at her job entirely differently if she doesn't meet that threshold? Uh, no, especially when it comes to someone like your your bookkeeper. Um, you know, your bookkeeper is someone who would not necessarily be impacted by these changes at all. Where we're going to see, see the changes is going to be to employees who are currently classified as exempt. You know, they're they're doing exempt type duties. They've been paid at least the 455 up until this point, um, and they're paid on a salary basis. Right. The the okay. Come December first, you know the, the these changes are expected to impact. Um, let, let me put it this way: the Obama administration has sort of touted this as a minimum wage increase for the middle class. Um, that mm, this salary yes. threshold has not kept uh, pace with the rising cost of living uh, o- over time. So people like assistant managers in a restaurant or a supervisor in right. a retail store, people who have traditionally been considered management and not entitled to overtime, will likely now be eligible for overtime because they are not earning at that $913 threshold. All right. I think that's very, very succinctly put, nicely put. It is a modernization of something that's existing, and it is reaching out with the intent of giving these people, um, as I say, uh, a boost for the middle class. And so, uh, my friend, with that brief and tempting nosh at today's Feast of Wisdom, uh, uh, I think it's really time for me to fulfill my duties as proper host and lay before you a few utensils for furthering today's feast. And first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you remember the chief uh, part of that CEO? And total up those many individuals who 
are helping you and who will help you. I mean, from from local police to casual friends with helpful expertise, are you considering all the folks available to you? Or will you continue to play the rugged individual and try to go it alone in the basement? (laughs) The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And the second utensil, you need to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste the scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book. So let me pull it out here. I've got it. Oh, here's one. Here's one. Number 57. A contract is a gauntlet hurled down between two attorneys to see which one can walk away with a greater portion of his client's money. <laughs> now, Amy, you, you deal with lawyers all the time. I mean, is, is, would you say this is a fair description? I, I certainly think that there's some truth in that. Um, you know, especially if you think of the, in terms of our topic today, um, I've read some predictions that 2017 is going to be record-breaking in terms of FLSA claims. So uh, I think attorneys, to say the least, will see oh. no shortage of work. <laughs> Oh, how nice. I can't tell you how that thrills me. And uh, so so many of the people who are going to book, follow it, too. Well, as an afterthought to it, I, I, let me just add one thing. That attorneys are no different than any other business cohort you encounter. And by that, I mean they depend on you to personalize that relationship. So if you reach out in friendship... Uh, because attorneys are indeed homo sapiens, I, I know. The the attorneys will respond in kind, and they'll provide you with a, re, a richer relationship in every sense of the word. But again, it depends on you. And if you smirked a bit over that quip, uh, just know that we have them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and pick up your copy of 102 Best Business Quips, um, cleverly retitled from the previous edition, um, I mean, previous book, 101 Best Business Quips. Uh, anyway, get get them both, and you'll have a quiver full of ammunition that's going to make you the sly-witted charmer who lightens the load of all the chain gang at work. So you, you'll love it. As a third utensil, let's move along. Uh, and I think we should appropriately entitle this the slender and rock uh, between the rock hard and the rock and the hard place knife. We proffer you the last week's business quotation. That is, the name of the author who noted, in England you're allowed to have an opinion as long as it comes out of your mouth, was spoken by none other than England's chief uh, celebrity chef. Jamie Oliver, author of the seemingly oxymoronic Healthy English Food. And later on in the show, blurting your way, comes another uh, enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, just jot that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a marvelous gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books bookstores. So with these utensils in hand, why not come and uh, use your knife blade judgment and learn from the sage employment expert Amy Vasquez as she continues to unravel the milfoi of the Fair Labor Standards Act coming your way on December 1st. Now, Amy, you've talked about 
the exemptions, uh, the people needing exemptions. There is a, you, and I know that there is, um, for the lower end, there is a three-rule test to see if you, as an executive administrator professional, earn this exemption. Uh, could you, in, in sort of gentleman's English, explain the three rules and how, you can, how an employer can test them? Sure, sure, absolutely. This is sort of uh, wage hour 101, if you will, uh, because everything <laughs> in the world of wage and hour defaults to whether an employee is exempt or non-exempt, uh -huh. whether they're entitled to overtime or they're not entitled to overtime. And the basic assumption is that all employees are non-exempt, meaning that everyone is entitled to overtime. And if mm -hmm. an employer wants to classify someone as exempt and not have to worry about keeping track of their hours, not have to worry about paying them that time and a half overtime, they must be able to show that the employee meets the requirements of three exemption tests. The first is a okay. duties test. They have to be doing uh, work at what the Department of Labor qualifies as a, an exempt type duties. Uh, the second uh -huh. is a salary basis test, meaning that they're paid the same predetermined amount in any week in which they perform work, and it's not going to be subject to reduction based on the hours that they're working. And the third okay. test okay. is a salary level test, um, and, and that's this 913 that we've been talking about. You know, for purposes of right. our of these changes uh, coming down the road, this is where we're seeing all the focus on the salary level test. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are the tests. Now, let's get into who generally has been and, and is exempt. Uh, as I understand, the, uh, the criterion are supposed to be splendidly laid out for three large, fatly broad groups, executives, <laughs> administrators, and professionals. Now, I mean, you know, the fellow who wheels a pushcart down the the street is calls himself a professional so we have we have all kinds of things like this though who are uh, give us a, d a definition of the three groups or some, at least some examples for an executive and administrative worker and a professional who are they sure. who are the we talk so for the most part, your executives are going to be uh, those people that are in management. Uh, their, their primary duty is management. That's the reason for, for which they're employed by you. Um, they are overseeing employees. They need to be overseeing at least two full-time employees in order to meet the executive exemption. Um, gotcha. you know, and, and they're doing things like hiring and firing, um, you know, okay. coaching and scheduling. You know, again, typically people that we think of as being our managers and so, sometimes even supervisors so, so may Bill have Gates that might qualify. He may qualify, yes. Most likely he oh, would. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> right. Okay. The, uh, the professional exemption um, is for th – there's two types of professional exemptions, actually, sort of subcategories. One is for creative professionals. Uh, so these are f available for – what, what, You say creative. What do you mean, like pole dancers or, or what do you mean? Uh, potentially. Um, work that involves okay. imagination, creativity. Uh, these <laughs> right. are typically our artists, our dancers. Oh, um, okay, yes. Uh, you, know, you know, people whose work is, um, you know, uh, original, and, and they're using their talent. Okay. Uh, musicians certainly so I, could qualify. Could we count legislators as, as, as that? Or they're, they're uh, I, 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 I don't know that I would go that far, Bart. 
<laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Uh, but but there's also a second part of the uh, professional exemption, one that's more common in business that, that that we see more often, and that's for learned professionals. So these would be individuals who uh, they have an advanced degree, and that degree, you know, they've gone to school for a prolonged period of time. So these would be our lawyers, our doctors, uh, very often our engineers, uh, nurses. Right. Um, you, you know, someone who's gone, you know, it's beyond a high school level. It, very often it's beyond a college four-year degree as well, uh, this prolonged study. Right. And then there's the administrative exemption. Um, now, this we, is a we, tricky one, isn't it? Very tricky. Um, and, and probably yeah. where we see the most legisl- um, uh, litigation as well. Uh, it's a very broad topic, the administrative exemption. Um and 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 they don't provide. We're not provided with very much um, guidance from the regulations. The, the terms are rather vague, so we may think of this as being someone in an administrative assistant type role. That's not what this administrative exemption is at all. Instead, this is uh, someone who is performing uh, the the work of the business, um, and they're utilizing discretion and independent judgment. These are people uh, that are typically involved. This is not in the administrator that was called a secretary. Uh, that was the old-fashioned secretary, correct? Correct. It, That's it, correct. Uh, okay. Um, uh, you know, these are people that are typically employed in functional areas. So when you think I of um, human resources, uh, marketing, you know, they're they're employed to do to help run the business rather than do the work of the business. But it's not uh, enough I to see. just be, not enough to just be uh, employed in one of these functional areas. They also have to be using that discretion and independent judgment. You know, they're, they, they have, they have that, what we think of as managerial aspects to their work. Yes, they can deviate from policy, you know, without approval. They they are probably involved with creating policy. Um, oh, they, they, you they, mean like you mean like a uh, like a stockbroker in the SEC? No, maybe not. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> if you have just joined us, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace. We may listen and download this and all our episodes by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. That's blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. And uh, Amy Vasquez has been helping us mightily understand this very complex uh, Fair Labor Standards Act. And I think right now, with all this full of this tempestuous teasing apart of legislative fact from fiction, uh, why not take a brief pause and perhaps a sorbet from the Feast of Wisdom, and allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. That company is Prometheus Publishing, creator of, among uh, several other divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And this very day, Prometheus Publishing would uh, like to invite you to take a look at one book which has helped a great many women in their careers, entitled, Behind Every Successful Woman is Herself. 
And this is a gem of a guide, really. It embraces the thoughts of many, many leading businesswomen and provides their, their techniques and their disciplines and, and the all-important attitudes for those ladies who want their careers and their various enterprises to meteorically soar. It's a great uh, ideal gift for someone who's graduated or someone who's just starting her way back into the business community. And you may pick up a copy at bartsbooks.com bookstore that's b-a-r-t-s-b-o-o-k-s.com and also if you by the way while you're on the website if you enjoyed today's quip and say i'd like to laugh a little bit more with a little bit of wisdom flung at me i included we invite you to go to that home page and click on that little blue mailbox and subscribe absolutely free by the eternal and to bart's books quips and by the eternal enigma of email you will receive uh, a little laughter and a little wisdom dose every week. And speaking of laughable items, such as federal legislature, um, let's return to Amy Vasquez, who is definitely leading us to the, the Fair Labor Standards Act, which is anvil, an, oh, I'm sorry, which is avalanching our way on December 1st, uh, sooner than the election. Now, Amy, I, they didn't just pick up this, these numbers out of a hat, the, uh, the, the salary threshold. As I understand it, they were uh, the, the modernization, as they call it, came from taking the, the, the 40th cent percentile of the lowest wage workers around uh, and in, in, in regionally, and that was the South. Is that uh, pretty much how they how the decision was made? Yes, yes, that's correct. Um, in their proposal, uh, the Department of Labor indicated that they wanted to tie the salary level to the 40th percentile of earnings uh, for full-time non-hourly workers nationwide. But this was an area where apparently the DOL received quite a bit of pushback from employers, suggesting that they really need to take into consideration regional cost of living differences. Uh, so they oh, did, I mean, and, yeah. and they did that by tying the salary uh, to the area of the country which has the lowest wages, which currently is the South. So know, ladies and gentlemen, that your government is more responsive than many of you give it credit for. Now, <laughs> the point is, this is, there's something, this isn't the only group affected by this. There's another rule in the final rule of the FLSA, as they call it. Uh, it's not just the low totem pole folk. There's uh, the Department of Labor has what they call the HCE, the highly compensated employees, which I, I, I find this one rather fascinating. They're, they're going to get their salary threshold boosted from 100000 to 134000 and $4. Now, what I want to know, why does it have to be 134004 Where did the $4 come from? <laughs> and who, who in heaven's name is a highly compensated employee? I know my board insists on paying me only what I'm worth, and no one can live on that. So, so who's a highly <laughs> com compensated employee? Sure, sure. It, you know, I, th I think it's important to remember with the highly compensated employees that this is an alternate test for determining if someone is exempt. No one's salary has to be boosted up to the new threshold. Um, the thought here, uh, <laughs> shocks, right? The the yeah, thought here right. behind this exemption is that such a high level of compensation is going to be a strong indicator of an employee's exempt status, and therefore there's no need to go through a detailed analysis as as what's required under the three rule test. 
Oh, so um, they don't need to run through the, the the three rules and the test. If 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 you are uh, making 134, odds are pretty good that you fall into that category anyway. Exactly. Exactly. I see. Okay. Well, that makes that makes things a lot more sense. And um, now I, this, of course, uh, qualifies all all owners and partnerships and sets them apart, so they don't end up tripping over themselves. Now, um, Amy, is is this? I'm just wondering if this whole act. Uh, you have been with the association, uh, I'm sorry, the Employers Association of New Jersey, for uh, the better part of 20 years. You have been, you have watched uh, the laws come and, and go, working very hard to try to get uh, justifiable pay that won't kill the, the businesses at the same time. Isn't this pay push about to have a dominoes effect? And I, I realize it's a salary threshold, but it is, it does raise and the minimum. I mean, does this mean that everyone in business, big and small, is going to have to get a comparable raise increase and the wage level to, to balance out the wage levels? And is this going to change everything? Uh, uh, well, I would say, unfortunately, no. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's okay. because employers have a number of options in choosing how to implement these changes. And so raising salaries is certainly one option. Um, but that's an option that may simply be out of reach for many organizations. They may not have sure. that funding available to bring those salaries up. So I think in all likelihood, we're going to see many employees converted to non-exempt. And employers will either pay them the overtime when they work over 40 hours, or in many cases, and I think this is the case especially with smaller organizations and those in the nonprofit sector, they'll try to manage schedules so that employees don't go over that 40-hour mark. We, we've actually spoke with some uh, employers who have considered lowering base salaries to make up for the fact that they now have to pay overtime. So there are a lot of options. I, I don't think it's going to be this big windfall for employees. Okay, so but it is uh, – you have talked to a lot of employees of the Employers Association. Uh, is this creating the terror that I think it, it might be? I mean, are, are they – is this just one more thing to wrestle with, or is, are there some real fears going on in the industry in general? You know, I, I, I think from an employee standpoint, it, you know, the, the the instinct might be that this is great, you know, we're now going to be entitled to overtime. But I think that there are some real morale issues that employers have to consider. You know, being exempt in many organizations is something, you know, it's viewed as having a certain status or a certain prestige associated with it. And now th these individuals are going to be converted to hourly workers. And, you know, they may not be thrilled to learn that they now have to punch a clock or keep track of their time and that they're going to receive the overtime. So, so I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that all employees are going to be happy about this. I I'm wondering also about the relationships. You touched on this, and it is true. There's prestige involved, but there's also a great change in how one, um, de how an employer is going to deal with an employee uh, because who is, if you are salaried, I will say to you, Amy, could you take care of this marketing project for us? And uh, we need it by the 17th. 
and that's it. That's what one. That's what a boss says to a, a regular salaried employee. Now, all of a sudden, it becomes well. I mean, how many hours is it going to take you? And uh, there's there is. Do you see what, that I'm what I'm talking about? The 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 relationship is going to change substantially, right? Right, I, I I agree. You know, the employees having to be accountable for their time. You know, it also throws in the whole issue of uh, working remotely. You know, how many employees in today's age, you know, go home from work and they'll check their emails on their device or they'll log into their system from home. You know, as exempt employees, we didn't care. We were paying them to get the job done. But as non-exempt employees, those hours become compensable hours that need to be tracked and, you know, could lead to an overtime situation. Well, you know, the old term for people who uh, would fill out a form for their expenses when they went on a business trip was called swindle sheet. And I'm just wondering, are we opening up a whole new can of worms into uh, for, for whole new swindle sheets about, oh, yes, I went back and checked my emails and it took me 17 hours last night but, but between the time I went home and the time I'm back here today. You, you see what I'm headed for. I, 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 I just I wonder... I don't know that it's so much of a new can of worms. I mean, I think that, you know, to some extent, employees who are non-exempt and, you know, they're doing that now, potentially. Um, But that's really a manner of, you know, trying to manage the employees and stay on top of them and have good procedures in place and, you know, having, having effective policies that are well communicated to employees. I, I think that, Amy, that would be the goal. That is Excellent. I'm glad that you're that you've put that down. This it really does come down to the, having the good relationships and good policies set down for your employees. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a quill pen moment. I hope you that is a timeless truth of business, which Amy has just said. Form the good policies in the beginning, and the law really won't hurt you after after all. Amy, I thank you so much for coming on board, and I hope that uh, after this bill, after the act comes through and takes effect, we could invite you back on, and perhaps you could tell us a little bit more how things are going. I would love that, Bart. That sounds great. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. As we round out today's feast, my friend, I just want to add a couple of things. I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom uh, for the Art of the CEO radio show, which you may find on blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. And allow me, if you would, to leave you with today's business quotation. That is, who said, you had a lot of people saying that you should have combined a donkey and a rabbit and gotten a flying unicorn. Uh, this uh, the person who said that was the CEO who described his firm's failure to merge with AOL. But uh, that same firm is, and he, is now taking an equally awkward step with a second shot at AT&T. So if you re- know the author of that quote, just remember, you should jot it right down and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com to receive an absolutely power-thrusting, career-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, those autumn leaves whispering quiet reminders of our mortality 
are advising us also that it is better to risk all in a colorful glory than to angstify about our eventual fall. And to you gleefully sharing our fees, I hope you've enjoyed the Art of the CEO show as much as Amy and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this on all our shows at blogtalkradio.com slash the Art of the CEO. And do tune in next week to The Art of the CEO to get a peep into the fascinating, absolutely vital, statistically laden, oh so marvelous realm of fashion forecasting uh, within the, with a global industry prognosticator, Emily M. And finally, to you who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you. <laughs>